Hi, and thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know anybody doesn't have a hard time understanding what leadership is about. It has changed in the 21st century. And because it has changed, you know, there's not a lot of information out there that pulls it all together so that you have the steps you need to be the best leader that you can. Leadership is all about influence. And this podcast is about helping you understand how to influence others and to build the collaborative team that provides you the inclusive, high-performing workplace that you are looking for. Whether this is the first job you've had as a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, or you've been in leadership for 30 years, there is something for you on this particular podcast. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, shared by Denise Cooper and her friends. And if you like, you can always go over to my website and pick up other gems that will help you become a remarkable leader. We're back with my best friend, Deborah Snow Walsh. How are you, Debbie? I am great. I am great. I am really excited to be here, Denise. I always love doing these with you. Today's topic, for those of you who have turned on, should be a really juicy one. And we're not here to bash, but we are we are going to talk about what happens when HR loses credit credibility or the HR function takes it too personal. The reason I'm bringing this up is as I'm doing uh, presentations and meeting people um, in the HR function, I'm noticing something that has suddenly happened where it used to be, I need a seat at the table. They won't give me a seat at the table. They always call me afterwards. I've started asking the question, why don't you use your HR function more? Why aren't they at the seat at the table of leaders and Honestly, they have no reason to lie to to me or misrepresent, and they're pretty honest about what they feel. And so today, we're going to talk about some of the things that I've been told, and uh, Deborah has been uh, has been shared with her because remember she's been inside and out. So we we have the perspective of being part of the team as well as coaching the team or consulting for the team. Let me give you a little bit of background on Debbie. She is a builder of organizations and talent expert. She was focused on DEI before it became a thing. I'm not even going to tell you when she started. Um, and that's the, the love of that and the love of her passion to bring great talent into the right organizations and make sure they get the right fit is what has cemented our relationship for a number of years. As I said before, she has been outside where she has owned her own executive search uh, firm where she worked with the top Fortune 100 companies to make sure that they had the right talent. And several times she has been on the inside. Currently, she is inside again with Brown and Brown Insurance Company as their head of talent. So that's my friend. What's up? I I have to tell everybody I'm so excited because you have been um, preparing for a marathon in Chicago. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm running the marathon on Sunday, and uh, and I'm really, really excited. It's a long training process that anybody does, you know, a marathon or uh, does a triathlon or does a bike race. You know, it just takes a lot of time. And so, uh, you know, you're up in dark and you're doing whatever you need to do to get your miles in, however those miles need to be in whatever format they need to be in. But I'm really excited to be doing it again and uh, and thrilled to be running. So it uh, promises to be a beautiful 50 degree day, which is perfect for runners, no rain. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So it's exciting. 
Oh, good, good, good. I got my fingers crossed uh, for you. No injuries and that the, that the Chicago weather will be predictable. <laughs> yeah, well, that in and of itself is a big prayer and a big wish. But yes, we, we hope that that's true. So I just, my mantras are, are, uh, are just to be healthy, uh, not to get injured, to, you know, finish, to get my medal and to be a happy camper and back at work on Tuesday. Although I said I'd take calls on Monday because as long as I'm prone on the couch, I'll be happy to talk to people. I love it. I love it. And that's the beauty of hybrid working, right? Right. <laughs> you know? right. right. <laughs> you can, you as long as your mind is good and your arm works, you know, that's right. <laughs> you're, in, that's you're right. in business, you're in business. That's right. So let's talk about um, this idea that, and what we've learned in terms of HR losing credibility. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I look at the the last few years when HR has really needed to be in top form because so many of the issues having to do with, you know, COVID and post-COVID and hybrid and remote and how work is getting done and the market and fewer people coming into the market has really been playing to the strength of human resources mm-hmm. and needing to play to that. So I look at the last, you know, certainly the last two years, but even the last three years of, you know, the need for a solid, uh, really high performing, strong human resources, then an inordinate amount of growth. I was just talking to one of our people yesterday. Uh, Any of us that are in the workforce right now, whether we're 22 or 62 have never seen the kind of growth that we're going through right now. Even in the rah-rah heavy IT late 90s, early 2000s before the IT crash came, we've we've just never seen the amount of information being put out there and, and thrown at us and having to get through it and the workforce statistics the way they are. Um, baby boomers are moving out at a really fast rate. Uh, millennials are moving in, but the numbers uh, of of baby boomers moving out is greater than the people moving in because there is no baby boom like there was mm-hmm. after World War II. And mm-hmm. having to do more with less is, you know, everyone's mantra. Mm-hmm. So it's just an unusual time. And, uh, you know, I predict it's not going to change too much. Uh, with the amount of information that's coming at us for the next probably five years or so. It's just a lot of change in industry. So given that, human resources is really important to the function of every organization. If, however, it loses some kind of credibility, I think that that can be very destructive to the whole organization. And moving off of allowing human resources to function as it can can be destructive to everyone within the organization. It's it's funny because I've um you know as I'm trying to work with companies and of course you know help them understand the value that I bring to it. I've asked this question of you know you have these issues of turnover, you have these issues of leaders not really understanding how to be good leaders, great leaders. Um, how to even put a roadmap in front of them of you need to do this, you need to do this and have those conversations because it's all about the conversations, right? And there's things that they say is, you know, HR doesn't, especially since COVID and then post-COVID, um, inability to prioritize what's really important. 
follow up, follow through. They say they're going to do X and they, you know, wind up not doing it, just basically not doing it. They don't know how to negotiate. So when a leader's mind is busy and focused on something else, they don't know how to work that change of changing somebody's mind and getting that first step. And how do you let them know that if we're changing something and understanding that we we don't really like changing our habits offline, we were talking about, you know, (laughs) I use AI to record and the transcripts for these so that I have them available well, when we changed the time for this, I forgot to go in to tell the AI to be on it. And so now I'm scrambling to try and get that done. But it's this idea of how do you manage change in an organization and adapt to it? Well, we've been talking about this next generation coming in and they've we, we've had profiles and profiles and profiles of what they need and want. And the thing that they want most is they want to have a balance in their life, but also I'm finding that a lot of them just don't know how to work in a corporate structure. They wait for instructions and that drives tenured um, supervisors and managers crazy because they remember having to look around, do their own prioritization, jump in, figure out what's next and keep going. And HR is not dealing with that. The other thing is I was talking to an HR person the other day and he said, we've not tackled this issue of there's just less people in the workplace. Yeah, that's a big thing. Yep. And he's in healthcare and he's saying healthcare in particular has got to come up with a new model. And it may be not this four days, you know, at 10 hours a day. It may be figuring out how we're going to share nurses and doctors between hospitals, which right now it's proprietary. If you work at ours, you can't work at somebody else's kinds of things, giving um, other doctors going back to where they had privileges so that you had doctors that were on call and we we're actually sharing the talent and figuring out a way to share it and and not think of it as true competition and our, our talent is the competition, et cetera, et cetera. And, and from the manager's point of view, when I follow up and say, well, why does that matter? I mean, you know, we're all busy. If they don't follow up and follow through, what is it? And it goes down to trust. If I, if I have to keep following up on them or setting the direction for them, um, if they don't understand the business when we invite them to the table or we're talking offline before I even bring them to the table, if they can't follow the business and, and understand how the business is in private conversations, how are they going to be able to do it at the table? I think that's absolutely key. I think one of the things we talk about all the time at Brown and Brown, but I think in the most successful organizations that I've consulted with or provided services to, it's always understanding the business and staying Mm -hmm. close to the business. I I think when we put together, you know, as simple as when we put together meetings for parts of your organization and you don't call them and ask them what they want and what they need, What's the point of putting together a meeting for them if you're guessing at what their needs are? I think staying close to the needs of the business, and it's not just the top of the house for the business. It's what the people who are doing the work need to yeah. do the work better. So, you know, I'm a big picture thinker. I mean, that's that's just who I am. I'm a big mm-hmm. picture thinker. I'm a 50,000 foot level of looking at the whole thing. But if I don't know what what's happening at the people that are actually dealing with my customer, mm-hmm. I can't help and provide um, assistance to them unless I understand what their everyday needs are. And I think that's staying close to the business beyond just the senior people in the business, what are the people, the worker bees doing? 
Mm-hmm. What's actually happening? What kinds of development do they need? What kinds of help do they need? And you don't get it from an email, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't get it from a text. You get yeah. it from actually having, you know, what we used to call town halls, which was gathering information, not a data dump of information. A town hall now is somebody usually with authority coming in to tell you what's going on. But town halls were started as tell me what needs to be going on. Give me the information, the senior leaders in the reverse, not data dump on the people that are doing the work. It's just a, it's just a different model. It's a mm-hmm. different model. But going back to your first thing, I think um, human resources or any of the services organizations to the business can lose cred- credibility if they're not understanding what the needs of the business are. What do you think, or what have you heard of some some of the signs when HR, the HR department is actually losing credibility? Uh, you know, I think one of the signs, you know, what you're saying is, it, you know, what you've said is that um, they don't understand the business and they get told that. I think they get left out of meetings when they mm-hmm. should be at, at, at meetings. I think um, human resources can put forth a lot of information but if it's not presented in a way that the business wants to see it, it can understand it. I I think checking again your customer, they're customers of human resources. All the businesses are customers of human resources. So understanding what the customer needs, mm-hmm. I think that's what I hear the most is staying close to the customer and the people doing the work, not just mm-hmm. the leadership. I think the other thing that I've noticed is Just like an executive or any other leader that I have to work with, HR people need to understand the dynamics of people, the emotional intelligence of individuals, and who are the kinds of people that they are challenged by, because there are always personalities that are going to challenge us. And if you find that you're in a position where you're being challenged, then how do you manage your own energy, your own thinking, your own approach? so that that challenge doesn't become a blockage in terms of the relationship, because everybody's watching. CEOs and HR are probably the most watched group of people in an entire organization, because everybody thinks HR has got all the information and they are hiding some secret thing. And nine times out of 10, they're not. (laughs) I love that. They're hiding something. Yes, but you can't tell people that, well, I know you know. Well, no, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I used to laugh at people that said this, but I say it now all the time. Above my pay grade, I don't have any information on that. But, but I have been of late very protective of the information that people give to me. Not, I'm not talking about the confidential information that I'm yeah. told from a business perspective. I can't share. I'm talking about people sharing their innermost thoughts and feelings about working for our organization, mm-hmm. both good and bad, mm-hmm. and keeping that confidential. Mm-hmm. And s- some of the information I just say to people above my pay grade, can, you know, I'm not going there. I don't know anything about it. You think I have all the answers. I don't. You think I know this. I don't. It's fine. I don't need to know it either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a couple of things, you know, that everybody's watching is so true. You know, there was a, oh man, this is years ago. There was a makeup artist that had this quote that said, you audition every minute of your life and never forget it because everybody's watching. And I have thought about those simple words in every corporate position I've had or mm-hmm. everyone I've consulted to, mm-hmm. if you go into the day, I mean, it's not frightening. It's just mm-hmm. real. More than anything, everybody is watching. 
and you went and said, you know, you went back to something that you said earlier in our private conversation about people needing to be seen, mm-hmm. people needing to have glory, mm-hmm. people needing to have their name on something. And I think, you know, maybe it's a product of age. I, you know, I certainly like my name at the bottom of a piece of paper, but in reality, does it matter? Does it move the business forward? Mm-hmm. Does it move the work forward? If we can just always be looking at this is put out by a team of people, you know, there, there's, what is it? There's mm-hmm. no I in team. There's no me yep. in team, something like, you know, yeah, something yeah, like that yeah. in the sports world. It, it really makes a difference the way people think about things. And the other issue that you brought up, I am also shocked by the lack of critical thinking in every facet of what we do to look at what how this will affect the three to five year plan. Even though we don't know what will happen in three to five years, right. we need to be prepared right. for change in yeah. three to five years. And those changes bring things that must be critically thought out, even if you change the thinking mm-hmm. in the next year or something happens in the industry. But, you know, one of my great people s- said to me, boy, I'd really love to have an economist come in and talk away from the company it has nothing to do with the company just an economist that comes in that someone's heard before thought great things of you know maybe mm-hmm. from one of the big consulting firms and talk about something that i think all leaders have to have you know debbie walsh's big five the ability to articulate a vision and get people to march into hell to follow it well to do that you have to be looking at your business you have to be looking at your industry. You have to be looking at the economy and you have to be looking at the world order. Do people remember last year when we were talking about the United States of America not possibly being the top of the heap? Mm-hmm. When did that happen in our lifetime? Could mm-hmm. be China. Didn't that wasn't that a shocker for everybody? Yeah. Nothing against anybody. I'm just saying changing world order may change the way everything looks. I find that a lot of people in general, but many of the HR people that I'm talking to these days, they're much better at sustaining and maintaining what is currently here. They get in a process, they know they go from company to company. And, and the reason I know this is I'm interviewing for HR people, right? Um, for several two of the companies that I'm working for, they've asked me to help interview for it. And their inability to be able to forecast and convince somebody about a forecast, it doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong. The question I'm asking is, as you look out, what are the things that's going to happen and how will you help a leader get there? How will you convince them that this is something they need to pay attention to? How will you get, how will you know that you're making progress without having to ask every 10 minutes? Are we, are we, are we still doing it? Are we still doing this? Are we, (laughs) I don't understand why you're not coming to my meeting so we can get this done. You know, little things like that. I know I say that tongue in cheek, but I'm actually seeing that happen real time. (laughs) I think that is a piece that is so important. Uh, You know, are we being included? Are we making progress? Are we doing the things that the business needs us to have done. You know, I know this about myself. I could never be in an organization where I was hired to be a maintainer because I'm not a maintainer. Mm -hmm. It's the last thing I do. I'm a disruptor. Mm -hmm. I push, I question, I poke. If you don't want to be poked or pushed or questioned, then you are not hiring me. That would Mm -hmm. not be, that would not be in your best interest. Mm -hmm. Frustrate me, but it would not Mm -hmm. be in your best interest. Mm -hmm. But 
it takes a while in your career to understand you're on one side of that or the other. There mm-hmm. are many companies that need people to maintain through crisis, through change, mm-hmm. through a change of ownership, through leadership, and you need stability to be able to do that. And that and stability is, I think, a great thing, but mm-hmm. it can be overrated in change. And mm-hmm. in changing times, you need some things to be stable. You need a great CFO for her or him to be able to keep you stable financially. You need a great lawyer to have, you know, the head of legal to be able to make sure you're complying. You need that stability. But if you're changing, if you're buying and selling companies, if you're growing your business, you need someone to poke and push and prod mm-hmm. and move you forward and test just what you're saying. Are we getting it done? Are we meeting the business needs? Are they believing what we're saying? Are we bringing them the information that we need? Are we changing the organization? You know, I'm a Great Lakes person. I've grown up around the Great Lakes. People here know that several times a year, I'm not a geologist, I'm mm-hmm. you know, not a water person, but several times a year, the lake flips, right? Mm-hmm. All of the Great Lakes flip. So what's on the bottom comes to the top and mm-hmm. you may be in the water and the water's like a beautiful 70 degrees and you feel like it's almost like bath water. And all of a sudden you're in the water and it's like 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Because mm-hmm. the lake flipped. Doesn't happen all the time, but what's at the bottom comes, to, comes the top. to the top. And that's some of what I see us going through in general in business. Lots of flipping of ideas, mm-hmm. lots of looking at, yeah, this is the way we always did it. Yeah, we can't do it like that anymore. We can't go to where we want to go in four or five years and do it the same way we've always done it, no matter how successful it was. Right. It right. was wonderful to get us here, but now what's changed? The business, the industry, the economy, the world order. And the people. The yeah, desires the of the market exactly, changed. The desires of the people who are now coming in um has changed and it has changed significantly. Right. And so if you're not helping the business adjust to that, I mean something as simple as if you're getting people in who don't know, um, have great heart, but don't know how to work in your organization, and you say, I'm setting up an orientation, and, and HR hasn't figured out how to set up an orientation that helps people work in your organization, then you're not forward thinking, because that's a problem, and it's going to drive turnover. And and I'll tell you, I've got uh, several companies now, turnover is not their problem, the, the line business's problem. Turnover is HR problem, because they say HR didn't hire right. 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 Absolutely right. HR is always going to have that on their head. HR is always going to take the hit for that. Always. And as much as we'd like to think in the day of AI that everybody can sit down in a computer and be onboarded, it's not working. Mm -hmm. It's not working that way. Mm -hmm. People need to have people say to them, this is the way you look, dress, act, think, in order to work through this organization, try it and you'll see, you'll get further because of it. And so coaching, mm-hmm. which a lot of people feel is for the senior level, yep. Yep. Uh, coaching is not uh, is not an expensive um, uh, thing that you get when you reach a certain level. Coaching is something that you have to have when you walk in because yeah. colleges and universities are not teaching you how to behave. in a corporate environment, what to look for in a corporate Mm -hmm. environment, Mm -hmm. how things happen in a corporate environment. And it's not coming up on 
the computer either. It's not coming no. up on your laptop. And, and even questions. in that, the, the things yeah. that are that are coming up, because, you know, I'm a big TikToker and yeah. um, Instagram and I watch because I want to see what the new new hires are looking at people in the new, in the next generation. What are they being told? The crap they're being told is really awful. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not valuable. It's not right. right. You know, right. it's. Right. We're not talking about that when you, it, you know, when you go in, there's not an I like you automatic I like you button. People judge you by what you do, not what you say. Right. No one can read your mind. So if you don't speak up and be articulate and speaking up, they're not going to give it to you. And it ain't about you. It's about you have you're walking into a company thinking that people can read your mind and they're going to give it to you. And then when you get frustrated and you're speaking from a place of frustration, you're upset because they're not paying attention to you because now, now you, you know, who's going to listen to you when you're frustrated, you need to be articulate. You need to understand these kinds of things. You also need to understand how does somebody has, you need to get a coach that helps you understand how, what you know is value add to the business. And the supervisor may not be the person who's going to tell you that. Why do people leave organizations? Lousy supervisors, right? I mean, and and I say this to people all the time within our own company, people don't leave for 50 bucks a paycheck. They don't leave for $50 a paycheck. They leave because they're not getting fulfilled and they're not feeling like they're getting help. Mm-hmm. The other reason they do leave money-wise is because somebody's going to pay them their mortgage payment or their rent payment. Mm-hmm. People will leave for mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and they should because mm-hmm. if we can't afford to make your mortgage payment in your paycheck, then you need to go someplace else. Yeah. 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 And you need to take ownership for that. Yeah. And that's the other piece that we don't that many of these folks are in in schools, too. They're not telling them that you have to take ownership of your career. You may you don't have to know what you know, it's like a business. You don't need to know what's going to happen 10 years down the road, but you need to have a directional what my north is. Right. I made I don't know that I want to be a supervisor. So do you need to get a role model that you're watching to see and understand? Do you want to put your foot in the, you know, in the supervisory role or do you want to be an expert? And then if you're going to be an expert, how do you monetize your expertise? And companies and HR need to understand and pull together to say, this is the new talent pool that we are working in. And when we say talent strategy, you'll say it better than I will all day long. But that's what we're talking about is how do we take what talent is there and teach people how they create the value necessary for the business and then help them grow that into being more and more valuable, both in the business and in their own lives. You know, we talk about impact players in our organization. And an impact player to me comes in all different sizes and all different levels of expertise. But mainly I play in the impact players at the senior level that drive business. There's impact players in every corner of our Mm -hmm. business. They impact the way business is handled and executed. They impact their team in the way they bring people together versus pushing them away. They impact the organization in smaller ways that make bigger ways and bigger impact. And it's looking for those impact players at 22 Mm -hmm. or 45 or 62 Mm -hmm. or 70. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. 
mm-hmm. where they are in the organization, but they suck people into them. They bring people together. They may not always agree, but they know how to disagree without alienating people. Mm -hmm. And they can make fun of themselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the first part, you and I know both have been in this, sometimes the first part of a really contentious situation is laughing about it. Yeah. And laughing at the people in it and having those people laugh at each other. And Mm -hmm. then you can roll up your sleeves and say, how do we solve this for the business? How do we solve this for the customer? How do we make us better? And those frequently turned out to be great relationships down the road. You know, when you were saying that, I decided it popped in my mind that we need to change it from succession planning to impact planning. Yes. Because... The succession will happen the way succession is going to happen, but managing impact players and making sure they're in the right places, that they're being groomed appropriately, that they're being used as role models to lift the performance of other individuals, that's a conversation that's not being had um, or rarely being had on it. Um, and then the other thing that you, you you said made me think, I think a role for HR that they have to start thinking about is how do I plan to change people's minds? How do I figure out whose minds need to be changed, where their current place is? How do I bring other people together to have those initial crowdsourcing, brainstorming ideas so that what instead of me being the person who, who's telling people to change their mind, they're coming to the conclusion on their own so that they can run with what the change needs to happen facilitating changing minds has got to be the new competency for HR. Okay. I'm writing this down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing this down. I have one, I have one other piece of stuff to put in here and that's what used to be called time management. Prioritization. Prioritization. The amount of information flow that's coming at us from the new hire right out of school mm-hmm. to the CEO, the amount of information and the management of that information and the prioritization of what the important things are affects everyone. I have had more conversations lately with executive people who have said, our people need to learn time management. Hell, I need to learn time management. <laughs> and, and it's fun. I mean, it's it's funny, but it's not funny. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked to one senior executive that said, I would just like to have 20 minutes to think about X, a program he's working on. I just need 20 minutes to think about X. And, and, and the the conversation we were having came up because I'm doing it on an enterprise level. He's doing it on his, on his group level. And he said, I just need 20 minutes. <laughs> and I went up to see him when I was in corporate a, a week before last. I went up to see him and he was, um, you know, we, we've come we've come to an appointment. Everybody has to have an appointment now. You can't just drop into somebody's office. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty mm-hmm. tough to find them available. Mm-hmm. But he was draped over his desk, either in, at a call, either in total frustration or in total boredom, one or the other, body language. You know, we used to call it body language. And I thought to myself, 
you know, he waved to me. There was no way he could see me, but he waved to me. And I walked away thinking, there is no way I want to go in after whatever call he's on. Because if he's either bored or he's frustrated. This is not, not a good thing. Exactly. Not a good thing. But later that same day or the next day, he said to me, if I could just have 20 minutes to think, mm-hmm. I just need to think. Mm-hmm. You know, that's also a big piece that HR has to capture of of not giving people, but expounding on the importance of yes. just have some time for, what did you say in the very beginning? Critical thinking. Yes. Critical thinking about Whatever it is you're working on, whatever it is, whether it's a problem, an issue, an expansion of what needs to be done, information that needs to be given, education of people, uh, you know. Or just digesting information, like you were saying, so much is coming in. How do I digest all this information that's coming at me and put it in a mental model that's going to help me be better or just not be stressed? Yes. You know? Yes. Right. And, you know, and stress management, you know, we laugh about that too. You know, that, you know, that's another piece of the pie and human resources has to deal with it because it's going to fall there. It falls there. How do we keep people engaged? How do we keep them free from stress? How do we keep them mentally healthy? We're really big on the things we do for mental health. And most great companies, I think, understand that that is a piece of what we have to supply. We have to be sure that our people are getting that information mm-hmm. and have that as part of our health benefits, mm-hmm. as part of what we offer to them, that mm-hmm. they have this. And part of that is stress relief. And it's important to the business, the critical thinking piece, having the time to do critical thinking mm-hmm. as it is to be stress-free for a little while, you know, as I'm running the marathon, will I be stress-free? No, I'm going to be looking <laughs> at the next mile, but it, it's, it's a different, you know, different kind of stress. And I, and I'm going to, this is, this is the, the other thing when you said that it made me think about it is one of the things I had a business leader um, about a month ago, tell me, he said, the thing that irks him the most about HR is every time they have an idea around stress management, or they have an idea about time management, they're always asking for either new staff or more money. <laughs> you know, Cause they don't have the bandwidth to do it. <laughs> and he fun. said, and he just looked at me and he said, what is it that HR always wants more money to do this stuff? No one else gets it, but yet they figure out ways to get it done. And, you know, as I look at what Fortune 100 companies, the interesting thing is, is like, I think it was LinkedIn um, and Microsoft both talked about i talked they were they have a really big vocal uh, uh, well, and of course microsoft owns linkedin yeah a robust stress stressing program right. stress management right. program right. but it's run by the employees right they right. they took the time to become experts in stress management and how to help other people de-stress it and they took it and ran with it and then you know well nobody's going to attend it you know all of these comments and questions came out of the, the webinar and they said people found time because it was valuable for them right right 
Absolutely right. We just came from a conference, an internal conference, but with an, you know over 500 people. And we had a, a stress-reducing or a mental health, whatever, room mm-hmm. that had massage chairs in it. Mm-hmm. It had yoga mats in it. Uh, it had uh, extra those oxygen things that, you know, you breathe the extra oxygen thing. It had, it had several different things in it. And next door to it was training for CPR. Mm-hmm. We had a ton of offering it you know, mm-hmm. relatively free. You had to do the work, but, you know, mm-hmm. we had a ton of people sign up for learning CPR mm-hmm. and we had a ton of people in and out of those mental health, you know, that mental health mm-hmm. room. People made time for it before, you know, before the conference, during the breaks in the conference, after the conference, because mm-hmm. it was, it, it was something that we offered that we knew people needed. Right. And they do, right. they do make time right. for it. That's the idea of the critical thinking is thinking through how do I get people to want to do this on their own? Because we have a whole lot of discretionary time. And if we can put in place things that are going to help people be less stressed so that they can think better, they can engage better, teach people how to engage and deal with conflict in a positive way without it being, you've got to go to another class to do this kind of thing, or we got to pay um, added to the benefits. Those are the kinds of ideas that would put um, HR from the the place of not being uh, seen as a business partner and increase the credibility of the function. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Well, that's a I great place for us to, yep, to say, you know what? It's been a great conversation. As you know, Debbie is here with me every month. So we've got a podcast together talking about these interesting issues on how to implement and to change your organization for the better. If you've got questions, leave them in the comments or send me a note. Where can they find you, Debbie? They can find me on your podcast. They can you know, email me at dwalsh at bbins.com. And I'm always happy to take questions. All right, guys. See ya. Bye. Well, as I said before, this is a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for following me. And if you really, really want to make things better and help me get the word out, please go like this wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that's in the show notes. And for doing that, go to my website and click on the uh, network and you'll be able to get some free gifts that will help you figure out how to be the best leader that you can be. As I always say, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will definitely help you become the most remarkable leader you can be.